Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. Much to unravel as usual. Are there candidates out there campaigning on Mar a Largo, Mr. Producer? I haven't seen any, have you? You've not seen any in New York? Mr. Call Screener, have you seen any in New Jersey? No. I haven't seen any in Virginia or Florida. I don't see candidates, Republican candidates, campaigning on Mar-a-Lago. There's a lot of talk about it here on cable TV, on network TV. And there should be a lot of talk about it amongst those of us who, who focus on the Constitution, the rule of law, liberty versus tyranny, and so forth. But I'm utterly unaware that Republicans are running on this issue. I watch the TV ads now in two states. I can tell you Marco Rubio is running on crime and securing the border. And that his opponent is a radical, <coughs> she's a radical socialist. I see DeSantis in Florida running on his record. Attacking Fauci and what he did, among other things. I see the congressional candidates in Virginia, since there is no senator gubernatorial race, doing exactly the same thing. I get these mailers. So I am unaware that Republicans are running on or spending their resources on what the FBI did in Mar-a-Lago. So I'm just questioning this kind of analysis. I believe it started with uh, Karl Rove and others saying, you know, 
if Trump weren't doing this, Trump is fighting back. As he always must. Now, I would also point out that it would be really disastrous if Trump were left without support, without air cover, without political a grassroots support, because that would mean the Democrats can do whatever the hell they want with the federal government and federal law enforcement against anybody, including other candidates. So that's the first point. The second point I would make is if we are relying on the Republican Party infrastructure and bureaucracy, To crush the Democrats in November, we're not going to crush the Democrats in November. What made the difference last November in a state like Virginia was not the Republican Party. The Republican Party was irrelevant, especially the RNC and the Republican Party in and around Washington. Mitch McConnell was irrelevant. They were all irrelevant. It was the grassroots. The grassroots in 2010 was the Tea Party, which rose up, said enough is enough. The grassroots last November, taxpayers and parents who said enough is enough. It is up to us to remain focused. We, the grassroots, we, the people. We cannot rely on long-in-the-tooth political commentators that the media promote even media that we like. We have to take political matters into our own hands to ensure a massive victory in November. If it doesn't occur, it's because of us. We cannot rely on the phony experts. Their experience is quite poor when we rely on them. So it's going to take each and every one of you in your neighborhoods to make a difference and you can do this and we can do this and no we're not going to surrender there's no reason to surrender I've been part of this movement these various movements my entire life the Reagan revolution the Tea Party movement and we've got to take on the Democrat Party regardless of what the Republicans do. So that's my second point. My third point is, for how many months now have you heard the so-called Washington experts on TV, on radio, and elsewhere talk about a red wave, and how long have I said, don't get cocky? The election hasn't occurred yet. A lot can happen. Always fight like you're behind, whether it's a political operation or a military operation or a sports event or whatever it is. Always fight like you're behind. And we have to do that today, too. Not to dispirit you, but to get everybody poised and active and motivated now, right now. It's a little less than, a little more, I should say, than two months, 60 days until the midterm elections. 
If you feel everything's on the line, and I know you do like I do, then whatever you did last time, you need to do more this time. If you did nothing last time, you need to do something this time. That's how it works. The Marxists who have a home in the Democrat Party are salivating to destroy your life, to control your property, to control how you live and where you live. You must defend what is yours. You must defend your own liberty. You must defend the future for your children and grandchildren. You must defend your faith and your family. You must defend what your children are taught. You must defend American history, law enforcement, the military, capitalism. That's what it's all about. That's what's going on. Nobody's asking you to put your life on the line. Nobody's asking you to be a casualty. Vote, and even more, you must get others to vote. You have a phone. That's all you need. That's all you need. But all the news is not negative. I've pointed out before, they're trying to dispirit you. They're trying to demoralize you. Don't let the enemy create your reality. And they are the enemy. They're not the adversary. Don't let the enemy create your reality. Don't let the enemy create your psyche. People always say to me, how are we going to do, Mark? How are we going to do? I say, how do I know? Just fight like hell. And at Legal Insurrection, our friend Professor Jacobson, he says, I understand how demoralizing the current situation is. The border wide open. The full apparatus of the criminal justice system from DOJ to FBI to state prosecutors are weaponized for Democrat political purposes. Yet the narrative as recently as a month ago was that a red wave was coming in November. That has changed. There is a concerted media effort to create the counter narrative that the red wave has failed, even though we're just entering, just entering prime election season and Republicans still lead in the generic ballot. It happens every election cycle. And I read to you last week Stephen Hayward's piece, excellent piece, which he has a chart and he demonstrates it. The Republicans almost never lead in the generic ballot. But that doesn't mean they don't win. And yet we have this from Rasmussen from Friday. The 2022 midterm elections are now 74 days away, and Republicans still have a five-point lead in their bid to recapture control of Congress. The latest Rasmussen reports, national telephone and online surveys find that if the elections for Congress were held today, 47% of likely U.S. voters would vote for the Republican candidate, 42% for the Democrat, 8% aren't sure. Now let me ask you a question. Even though you have a Republican lead here, why does this matter? Well, Mark, it gives us a sense of why does it matter? Now, why am I asking this? Think it through. When you go to vote in November, you're voting for the House, and a third of you are voting for the Senate. There is no national election in November. 
So when we get these national telephone and online surveys, it's good to see that we have a lead under the Rasmussen. And I'm telling you that because others say we don't. But I'm saying you've got to be very, very skeptical of all these. You're voting for a single congressman and one-third of you voting for a single senator. You're not voting for somebody else's senator. You're not voting for somebody else's congressman. They don't take a national vote and then start to distribute members of Congress and members of the Senate. So to some extent, to a great extent, these numbers are not particularly reflective of anything. I mean, if you're 25 points down, I guess it's reflective. You're going to have a bad time nationwide. But that's not what those numbers show. Now, I think the Democrats have done two things. They pass these massive spending bills, and they want you to believe, the average American, that they're helping you. And after the break, I'm going to prove otherwise. And number two, they keep saying this abortion decision, more and more women are registering to vote. Well, how do we know more and more women aren't registering to vote to defeat their local school boards like they did last November? Or more and more women aren't are registering to vote because they've had enough of the Democrats. They keep pointing to Kansas. Kansas. Did anybody ever think that maybe what Kansas proposed initially was too big of a bite? That we have to get strategic like the other side on so many issues? One bite at a time? You don't take the whole chicken and swallow it? You don't take the whole side of beef and swallow it? Not all at once. So Kansas is not a, an indicator of anything either. Go look at what's going on in Oregon right now. Oregon is a heavily Democrat state controlled by Portland. It's controlled by Portland in the Portland area. Maybe one or two cities. That's it. For the governorship there, the race is neck and neck between the Republican and the Democrat. I don't know how long it's been since they've had a Republican governor there. How come nobody's talking about that? So my point is, all this incoming, all this static, all these experts, broom it away, broom it. You can control your life, you can control, to some extent, your own environment, you can control what you do. Are you going to be an active patriot or not? Well, the broad base of American patriots who are sick and tired of the war against Americanism, against morality and ethics, against American history, against the market system, against American sovereignty, are we going to unite and rise up and make our presence known on Election Day or before if you have early voting? I don't like it, but use it. Will we? That's not up to me. That's not up to any broadcaster. That's not up to the RNC. Thank God. That's up to you. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, back in the good old days, we Americans argued about which policies to pursue to improve the country we love. 
Too often today, we find ourselves arguing about whether our country is great or not, about whether we should love America or be ashamed of it. The reason for this is simple. For too many years, too many of our schools have been neglecting to teach young Americans about America's great heritage of liberty, presenting them instead with dishonest narratives of America as fundamentally unjust and racist. Hillsdale College is weighing in for America by offering free online courses such as The Great American Story, A Land of Hope, and Constitution 101, The Meaning and History of the Constitution. As we get closer to Constitution Day, September 17, I encourage all of you to enroll in one of these wonderful free courses from Hillsdale. Begin your free Hillsdale College course today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. Now, if you look what's taking place, I just wish those who are running for office knew how to articulate issues. Like you look at abortion as an issue. How is abortion an issue in New York? Where abortion on demand is pretty much the, uh, the situation. Or any of these blue states for that matter. California. Why is abortion even an issue in these states? Want an abortion? Go get one. It's not an issue in these states. So first of all, if you're a Republican running in one of these states, why don't you just say it? You could say, I oppose it strongly. But the fact is, if you want an abortion in New York, you can get an abortion in New York. But also, why don't the Republicans explain, as I do here, till I'm breathless, that what the Democrats want is not a return to Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade did not support, did not support abortion on demand, not even in the last three months. But the Democrats voted on a proposed bill months ago that would have eliminated all barriers to all abortions in every corner of the country, regardless of geography, regardless of diversity, and abortion right up to the last second. No strings attached. Why don't Republicans explain this? It's a very effective argument, but there's even more. This country's going in hock by trillions and trillions of dollars to subsidize the wealthy. And I'll explain that when we return. Folks, back in the good old days, we Americans argued about which policies to pursue to improve the country we love. Too often today, we find ourselves arguing about whether our country is great or not, about whether we should love America or be ashamed of it. The reason for this is simple. For too many years, too many of our schools have been neglecting to teach young Americans about America's great heritage of liberty, presenting them instead with dishonest narratives of America as fundamentally unjust and racist. Hillsdale College is weighing in for America by offering free online courses such as The Great American Story, A Land of Hope, and Constitution 101, The Meaning and History of the Constitution. As we get closer to Constitution Day, September 17, I encourage all of you to enroll in one of these wonderful free courses from Hillsdale. Begin your free Hillsdale College course today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. 
When Mark Levin speaks, the backbenchers take notes. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Trillions and trillions of dollars of your money, debt that's going to be on the shoulders of your children and grandchildren and generations yet burn, to subsidize to subsidize ideologically driven, excuse me, policies. There's a lot of questions, whether it's electric cars and so forth and so on. Remember when the Democrats used to say, you want to get rid of Obamacare, what are you going to replace it with? Where's the detailed step-by-step blueprint for the Green New Deal? Where is it? Where do we technologically get from A to Z? Where do these rare earth minerals come from? How are they mined? How are we going to have enough of them? You have millions of cars plugged in to an electrical grid. How's that going to work? We're already forecasting brownouts and blackouts down the road. And how do people think electricity is created? By a bunch of people with kites and keys? No. It has to be created. Well, what creates it? What creates it? Coal? Natural gas? Yes. What else creates it? Nuclear power? Yes. So we're opposed to all those, right? Solar power, wind power? Not enough. You see the disaster in Texas a few years ago? Remember that? They have regular disasters in California, brownouts and blackouts over the years. They decided to keep their one remaining nuclear power plant online. Just in case, of course. Just in case. I mean, we have uh, these examples. Europe, Germany's in a disastrous situation. It doesn't have enough fossil fuels now. And they're warning people. Not only are there going to be brownouts and blackouts, it's going to be one damn cold winter. Same with Poland. Same with all of Europe. Sri Lanka, another example. I'm giving you third world, industrialized societies, America. People are starving in Sri Lanka. Why? Because fossil fuels are the center of everything. From fertilizer on out. Everything. Banning fossil fuels... How suicidal is that? Meanwhile, our enemies will gobble it up left and right. And when these batteries are done, they last about 10 years and they cost a ton. Where are they going to go? Where are we going to put them? They're toxic. They're toxic. Where's the plan for all this? Perfect example. Things that I don't expect ideologues who are dense with low IQs like Biden on out from the bottom up and the middle out in the Democrat Party. 
from the Daily Mail. How will we charge them all? U.S. needs to spend $35 billion to meet demand for 1.2 million public ports by 2030. And that's not counting the 28 million needed in homes. 28 million needed in homes. 28 million plus 1.2 million public ports. Can you imagine everybody plugging in their cars? That's not going to be a problem, is it? These politicians are killing this country. The U.S. needs to build 30 million electric vehicle charging ports, or 478 each day until 2030, if half of the drivers switch over to electric vehicles. Not even talking about homes yet. We have about 128,000 public electrical vehicle charging outlets. There's at least 4,500 private ones. Nothing. Although EVs, electric vehicles, have climbed a lot each year since 2016, and a lot of that's because the government is subsidizing people to buy them and make them. Many consumers cite batteries and charging issues as their main concerns. California automakers have until 2035, 13 years, to completely phase out gas guzzlers. Why are cars called gas guzzlers and electrical cars aren't called electricity guzzlers? You get the point? It's the language. But the state's charging infrastructure needs to expand dramatically, and it won't because Newsom is a hack and a fool. America would have to install 30 million electronic vehicle charging ports by 2030. It's a lot, don't you think? 30 million. 1.2 million public, as I said, 28 million private. It's, uh, it's just unbelievable. And I'm just looking down here. Automakers will now have to reach the first quota of California's new plan. 35% of new cars, small pickups, and SUVs sold in the state must be zero emission by 2026. Meanwhile, McKinsey report notes that electricity bought at public chargers can cost five to ten times more than electricity in private ones. To keep EVs powered up, public charging stations will probably need to be economical, equitably distributed, appealing to use, and wired to a robust power grid. Wow. Where's that going to come from? And drivers of EVs who can't recharge at home will want public charging locations to be convenient, with estimates suggesting public charging would deliver over 20% of the electricity that would be used in 2030. So where are these stations going to come from? Let me ask you a question, Mr. Producer. You've spent your entire life in New York, correct? It's a very, very crowded city, isn't it? They have a lot of what we call high-rises and skyscrapers, don't they? Where are those people going to charge their cars? You can't. You can't. I can imagine the towing business is going to be very busy. You're driving. Okay, there's no port near you or next to you, and the car stops. 
What do you do with that, Mr. Producer? You just sit there. You just sit there. Maybe they'll have some kind of towing vehicles that have chargers of some kind or another, but I can imagine this happening everywhere. Well, Mark, what about like gasoline? Gasoline is ubiquitous. Well, so will electricity. No, it won't. It won't be. It can't be. And then they'll play the game, the statistical game, because electricity is going to need fossil fuel or nuclear power for much of it to be created. You can't rely on the sun and the wind, ladies and gentlemen. Anymore, you can rely on the rain gods during the droughts. I feel like we're really going backwards here, but anyway... Let's continue. There's so many issues here. I don't even know where to begin. But that's the point. They're pulling the plug, if you will, on fossil fuels. They're putting in demands because they have eggheads who sit on these environmental boards. They have really stupid people as governors, ideologues as members of their various legislatures. Eggheads who know nothing pushing the agenda. It's easy to vote to stop things. It's easy to vote to ban things. It's easy to vote to demand things. But somebody has to do it. So who's working on the electrical grid as I speak? Anybody? Nobody. Nobody. In order to take out also our ability to travel... Today, I mean, you'd have to take out an awful lot of gas stations and so forth. But as you centralize more and more power and more and more decision-making, it becomes easier and easier. This is what our friend Peter Pride talked about, who passed away, unfortunately. We don't have a government that will protect our grid. They won't even protect it. And so trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars are going to be poured into this to make you poorer, 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 colder during the winter, warmer during the summer, drive up your costs, create brownouts and blackouts to create poverty and even death, as we saw in these various states and as you'll see in Europe over the winter, taking us from energy independent to God knows what. Because the nonsensical, uninformed, arrogant, narcissistic politicians have taken over. They're going to determine what energy is. So we've had it with the private sector, and they just stole it all, and now the government's in charge. Student loans, what did I say? This party's in office to do what? To benefit its base. Who's in its base? Oh, they'll throw a few crumbs to the minority groups and this group and that group as long as they don't have to give them school choice and open up opportunities for everybody. It's the white, wealthy, leftist. That's what this party, the Democrat Party, represents. Not the quote-unquote little people. Not the quote-unquote brown and yellow people. Not the, it does not represent them. It lies to everybody, as it must. How are people 
who have to use food stamps, and I'm not just talking about minorities, obviously a lot of white people do too. I'm talking about people generally. How do people who need food stamps to live or need their social security check to live day by day, week by week, going to get an electric car? I don't care how much it's subsidized. They're not. So what's next in line, Mr. Producer? Public transportation. Remember, there's a war now on single-family homes in the suburbs and the outer burbs by the federal government. They want to eliminate that kind of zoning. They want dense housing. They want public transportation. And they are driving us to that. They are pushing us toward that, whether it's automobiles, whether it's zoning and housing. That's what they're doing. More and more as they control the population. 87,000 IRS agents. Where's the liberty in all this? They never speak about individualism in all this. They never speak about opportunity in all this. It's always government, 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 government. One quick thing before I take the break. I was at the airport yesterday, and I was sitting next to a very nice gentleman. And you know, people, they have these phones now, I don't know, they, they don't actually hold the phone, but they're talking, and you go, oh, that guy's talking to himself, but it turns out they're talking to somebody on a phone. And one of the things I heard him say, he was right next to me, very loud, he said, don't forget to get your $20,000. That's what he says. Don't forget to get your $20,000. Obviously, he was talking to somebody he knows, probably a relative, maybe a child. He was an older gentleman who was saying, don't forget to get your $20,000 in the student welfare case. If you got a Pell Grant, you get up to $20,000 back. Don't forget to get your $20,000. It's unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. You think about the men and women who are breaking their backs out there, waiting on tables, driving tractors, plumbers, 24-7 plumbers and electricians, guys working on roofs in Florida in the middle of the heat in the summer. Mechanics, taxi and Uber drivers, bricklayers, and go on and on and on. The men and women who make this country really function. Don't forget to get your $20,000. Don't forget to get your electric car. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, back in the good old days, we Americans argued about which policies to pursue to improve the country we love. Too often today, we find ourselves arguing about whether our country is great or not, about whether we should love America or be ashamed of it. The reason for this is simple. For too many years, too many of our schools have been neglecting to teach young Americans about America's great heritage of liberty presenting them instead with dishonest narratives of America as fundamentally unjust and racist. Hillsdale College is weighing in for America. 
by offering free online courses such as The Great American Story, A Land of Hope, and Constitution 101, The Meaning and History of the Constitution. As we get closer to Constitution Day, September 17th, I encourage all of you to enroll in one of these wonderful free courses from Hillsdale. Begin your free Hillsdale College course today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. So the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School says that this student welfare bill is now going to be in excess of $1 trillion. And the vast majority of you aren't going to see a penny of this. In fact, they're going to unleash 87,000 new IRS agents in addition to the current 80,000 to make sure you, quote unquote, pay your fair share. You pay your fair share. The people on the dole are treated like first class citizens. Illegal aliens are treated like first class citizens. You get up every morning. I see you out there getting in your vans, getting in your trucks, getting in your station wagons, whatever. Ernie's paint, painting company, you know, business, or Frank's tiling company, or uh, or Domino, whatever, something or other going on there. You see all the stores, all the retailers out there trying to make a buck. So in other words, if you didn't get a loan with the intention of not paying it, and by the way, you know, you didn't have to spend that loan on college. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? You could have spent it on a vacation. You got 100000 Maybe you wanted a Maserati. Maybe You could have spent that money on anything, anything you wanted, anything. And now you're in hock for it, ladies and gentlemen. And don't buy this. The Democrats are running from it. Crap. It wouldn't be happening but for them. And, of course, Joe Biden is doing it in violation of the Constitution. He has no authority to do this. He's taking over a trillion dollars from you and giving it to somebody else. But don't worry, they're after Donald Trump. I shall return. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Hello, 877-381-3811. Well, this is interesting. A Jewish university asked the Supreme Court to block LGBT campus clubs citing religious rights. Those religious rights are right there in the First Amendment, ladies and gentlemen. Does it matter anymore? A New York City-based Jewish university, it's a yeshiva university, is asking the Supreme Court to block a lower court order requiring the school, 
requiring the school to recognize an LGBT student club citing religious freedoms under the First Amendment. Yeshiva University, a college established in 1886, that is considered one of the oldest Jewish universities in the nation, and this is going to be a problem for all faiths, filed an emergency request on Monday calling a judge's June decision in the New York Supreme Court First Judicial District, that's their lowest court, an unprecedented intrusion into the university's sincere religious beliefs. Now, the dispute surrounds a club at the university called the Pride Alliance, members of which are demanding that the university recognize the club on campus following the June lower court ruling, which would force Yeshiva University to approve the club and its activities that are inconsistent with the school's Torah-based values, according to recent court filings. When secular authorities try to tell Yeshiva University that it's not religious, you know something has gone terribly wrong, said Eric Baxter, Vice President, Senior Counsel at the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty, which is representing Yeshiva, and that's a fantastic group if you're looking to donate the Beckett Fund. The First Amendment protects Yeshiva's right to practice its faith. We're asking the Supreme Court to correct this obvious error. The University's counsel also argues Yeshiva welcomes and provides support services to its LGBTQ students, that it bans anti-LGBT discrimination and bullying. If Yeshiva is forced to comply, the infringement of its religious liberty and injury to its reputation as a bastion of Torah values and flagship Jewish university will be irreparable, Baxter wrote in the emergency application. Now, this legal dispute dates back to 2021, when a small group of alumni and students sued the school, and this is how it typically is, alleging it was not a religious institution. Yeah, that's why it's called Yeshiva University, and demanding a court order to accept the club on campus while a lawsuit played out. Judge Lynn Cotler ruled in June that Yeshiva does not qualify as a religious corporation and must therefore approve the creation of an LGBTQ club under the city's anti-discrimination law. The record shows that the purpose students attend Yeshiva is not to obtain an education, not for is to obtain an education, not for religious worship or some other function which is religious at its core, she wrote. Thus, religion is necessarily secondary to education at Yeshiva. Boy, what a liar. This judge is a fraud and a fool. But all of you out there, regardless of your faith, you can even be an atheist, an agnostic. The First Amendment is the First Amendment. Religious liberty. You can't compel an institution that has as its core function, certainly one of them, a religious application to education. Whether it's Christian or Jewish or Muslim or whatever it is. This is how things are destroyed. So these students are permitted on campus. They're not prevented. There's to be no anti-discrimination against them. Excuse me, no discrimination against them. No bullying against them. And it's not good enough. We want our club so we can advance our agenda. That's where they said, no, 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 we're not doing that here. And so, of course, this case is brought in New York. 
Well, the judges, for the most part, are nuts. Now we have a federal judge, a real judge, taking a look at this Mar-a-Lago situation. And she had scheduled a hearing for Thursday to consider President Trump's request for a special master to oversee the FBI reviewing all these documents and everything. And she put the parties on notice of her preliminary intent to, to do just that. A third party, objective, independent individual. And the government was given until tomorrow to provide a response. And the judge's name is Aileen, A-I-L-E-E-N Cannon, Federal District Court in South Florida. Of course, the left points out she was nominated by Donald Trump. That doesn't mean she's a Trump supporter. At this district court level, a lot of the judges who are appointed are parts of negotiation, as I've explained before, but it doesn't matter. And to file under seal records going into greater detail about what was seized and so forth. So the reply from the Trump lawyers was to be Wednesday. So, of course, the government... In this particular administration, being sleazier than sleazy, jumped the gun. They put in a filing today telling their judge, oh, we're, we've, we've already looked at all the documents. We've examined them all. Here's the Washington Compost, Devlin Barrett. FBI agents have already finished their examination of possibly privileged documents seized in an August 8th search of Mar-a-Lago, according to the Department of Justice court filing today, that could undercut the former president's efforts to have a special master appointed to review the files. The so-called filter team used by the Department of Justice to sort through the documents and weed out any material that should not be reviewed by criminal investigators has completed its review, the brief filed by the Department of Justice prosecutors said. And that came in response to the Saturday ruling by Judge Cannon to hold a hearing this week on Trump's motion seeking the appointment of a special master. Now, let's just stop there. The Department of Justice went through this stuff so fast, it wanted to make sure that nobody could stop them. It's the same Department of Injustice where the Attorney General, Meritless Garland, spend a few weeks to think about whether there should be a search warrant, despite the so-called emergency nature of a search warrant, and where the FBI sat on its ass for three days before it actually executed the search warrant. And way back in June, where the FBI had been at Mar-a-Lago and gone through the boxes and obviously would have seen that some of it at least was classified, they were in no hurry then either. But I don't want to go over terrain that we've already gone over. Look how fast they did this. And they say, they downplay it. We found some privileged documents. The issue isn't the quantity. If you found one privileged document, that could be good enough. So look what they've done here, in my view. I'm not a former federal prosecutor, but what the hell? In my view... 
an overly broad search warrant in violation of the Fourth Amendment. It was a general warrant. Simply no question about it in my mind. If they knew what they wanted, they claim they knew what they wanted, then say what you want. You don't need that extra sentence or two in there and anything else that happens to be in a box that's in or around it. Oh, what? Well, you don't need a search warrant for that. Just a few jackboots, kick down the door and grab the stuff, right? Anyway, you have that. And now you have this. Now, what should you do as the judge? Is it all over? No. I would say to the Department of Justice, when I said on Saturday that I was leaning toward issuing this, you should have stopped in your tracks. So I want to know the names of the individuals who were reviewing the materials and when they started and when they stopped. And I want to know the hours they worked. They work late into the night, early into the morning, over the weekend when they couldn't issue the or execute the actual search warrant. I want to know when you went through these boxes. That seem relevant, Mr. Producer? That's number one. See, I think rationally. That's number one. Number two. Attorney-client privilege documents. Here's a problem. This... Uh, Presidential Records Act, which most of the commentators actually haven't read, as well as the amendments. I've read it, studied it, looked at the history of it. Joe Biden can assert executive privilege on behalf of a former president or not. He can actually leave it up to the archivist, not to assert privilege, obviously. But leave it up to the archivist whether he or she thinks it's assertable. Now, this law has never been tested. Not in this way, because no attorney general or Department of Justice or administration since 1978 has had the, the audacity to even try this. While Trump took that, I don't care to raise all these constitutional issues. And so as you can see, we have no idea if they search documents for a privilege claim. (coughs) Executive privilege, attorney-client privilege, and other privileges, by the way. So the judge should still point a special master to go over the decision-making of these individuals at the Department of Justice to go through the documents independently of the Department of Justice. And to also look for potentially privileged materials. That is executive privilege. In addition, I would argue, the judge should authorize the special master to determine the chain of custody of each of these documents, particularly the documents that are privileged. Attorney-client privilege, maybe executive privilege and so forth, to see if in fact this so-called system they set up at the Department of Justice functioned as at least theorized. You see what I'm saying, Rich? 
You don't take the word of the prosecution. They're not. They're not the judge and the jury and the everything. Well, in the normal case, it's not a normal case. The normal case, Hillary Clinton would be in federal prison. Sing, sing. With uh, what's his ass? James Comey. That's what would be going on. But don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, Al Sharpton on MSLSD, he's got a thought about this. Cut for Mr. Producer, go. Doesn't that raise the feeling that there may be some things there, that, that this is not just some, something that will amount to uh, nothing? He's fighting hard and running out different scenarios that makes many of those uh, that were like uh, not convinced one way or another feel he wouldn't be fighting this hard if there wasn't something there. No wonder they pay you the big bucks. Profound, incisive, articulate. What a dumbass. Then we have Michelle, Michelle, Michael Beschlach. Fancies himself a presidential historian. He's destroyed his career and his reputation, at least with half the country. Listen to this one. I wonder if Twitter and Facebook will allow this on the air, Mr. Producer. Cut five, go. But if he did this, and particularly if keeping these documents and sharing them or maybe even selling them, there's no evidence of that yet, but that has been suggested as a rumor, any of this stuff, if that all comes to that. So Beschlash, presidential historian extraordinary and an advisor to Joe Biden. There he is on MSLSD, and he says, there's no evidence of that yet, but that has been suggested as a rumor that he's selling the documents? Selling them? It's been a rumor? And the people at Comcast that own MSNBC as they own NBC, they don't put a ban on this kook from ever appearing on their network again? I mean, I thought Sharpton was as low as you could get. Or uh, Tiffany, Tiffany Cross, revolutionary. Or even the Scarboroughs, Sacco and Vincetti Scarborough. But no, Beschlosh is the low. There's no evidence, don't get me wrong here, but maybe he's selling them. Selling them. Then we have Phil Mudd, former CIA counterterrorism. And I don't know about you, but we always go to these CIA guys when we want to straighten things out. Cut seven, go. So, and I could not disagree more with the assessment that they should be out open more. Let, let me give you two reasons why. We just went through Hillary Clinton. As soon as the Department of Justice opens a conversation with the press and the public, they have to continue the conversation and they have to close it about a person or persons, not just the former president, but also lawyers, for example, who are supporting him. Who have not been charged. What is he rambling on about this moron? He was at the CIA. Was he on our side or the other side, Mr. Producer? Philip, Philip Mudd. Hey, look, there may be other people that. Aren't you sick of this, ladies and gentlemen? These reruns, reducts of the same thing over and over and over. The same a holes coming on. The same. A-holes whose pensions you're paying, they come on TV and they make these jackass comments over and over and over again. I'll be right back. 
मत लबेन Right now every business is trying to nickel and dime you. How much can they squeeze you to offset their increasing costs? It's a mess. That's why I love Pure Talk, my wireless company, and I wanted to be your wireless company. Pure Talk drew the line in the sand and said, "Stop screwing over the American public." So when you sign up with Pure Talk this month, you're going to get their best ever offer, 1 month free. 1 month free. You can lock in talk, text and data on America's most reliable 5G network. For just thirty bucks a month, plus get one month free when you make the switch today. Just go to puretalk dot com and enter code Levin Podcast for this special offer. That's L E V I N Podcast. Need another reason? When you choose Pure Talk, you're choosing to support American jobs. You're choosing to support a company whose CEO is a U.S. veteran. And with Pure Talk's no-risk money-back guarantee, you won't regret it. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, and enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and get one month free. Now, this is how it works. With the access of evil in Washington D.C., they got the FBI and the DOJ, the U.S. Attorney's Office. Right? What else do we have? Well, we have the media. You know, people like Maggot Haberman, but there are others too. The mob has formed, and then now we have the CIA, the intelligence agencies. This from. DNYUZ. The head of the U.S. intelligence community says she will launch a review of possible national security risks posed by a drove of records that have been removed from the White House and kept at former Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. Yes, the announcement of the review, which was revealed in a letter sent to top U.S. legislators on Friday, and obtained by the U.S. media, aka leaked. Is the latest escalation and ongoing saga surrounding Trump's hand? So you see how they take it? Got to expand it, expand it, expand. My God, he almost destroyed America with the documents he had there. Oh my God! But he didn't. But he almost did, and he could have, and he would have, and and the rumor is he wanted to sell them. Oh my Lord! Good God. Right now, every business is trying to nickel and dime you. How much can they squeeze you to offset their increasing costs? It's a mess. That's why I love Pure Talk, my wireless company, and I wanted to be your wireless company. Pure Talk drew the line in the sand and said, "Stop screwing over the American public." So when you sign up with Pure Talk this month, you're going to get their best ever offer: one month free. One month free. You can lock in talk, text, and data on America's most reliable 5G network. For just thirty bucks a month, plus get one month free when you make the switch today. Just go to puretalk dot com and enter code Levin Podcast for this special offer. That's L E V I N Podcast. Need another reason? When you choose Pure Talk, you're choosing to support American jobs. You're choosing to support a company whose CEO is a U.S. veteran. And with Pure Talk's no-risk money-back guarantee, you won't regret it. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, and enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and get one month free. This is where Hollywood liberals come for rehab. The Mark Levin Show is back at eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. Well, yes, 
That's all quite true. Have you ever heard of a G. Van Fleet? G. Van Fleet. A survivor of Mao Zedong's revolution. And when you look what's happening in our country, and I keep talking about it as Marxism, you keep hearing people talk about it as progressivism or liberalism. You also hear people use socialism, which is fine. Socialism is an economic ideology. But this gentleman, G. Van Fleet, he survived the Mao Revolution, the People's Revolution. And he has some things to say because you are being daily inundated with propaganda. Bernie Sanders-like propaganda. And from these so-called, what do they call them? The Stooges. What do I call them? What do they call them? Anyway, the uh, leftists in the Democrat Party, the ultra-leftists, the, uh, the Leninists, about how wonderful it would be if you had everything paid for. Wonderful. If you didn't have a mortgage. If cars ran, you know, you ever see the cartoon, The Jetsons? If we had cars like they have in The Jetsons, yeah, get rid of fossil fuels. That's right. Everything at your fingertips. And you don't even have to work. You can stay at home and it'll just be produced for you out of thin air. Any medicine you want, snap your fingers. It'll be available. Even medicines you're not aware of, all of a sudden they'll appear. Where do they come from? And they fix everything. The problem with Marxism slash socialism is it's an ideology based on promises, not reality. Equity. Ooh, I love equity. And it's built on hatred and jealousy. Oh, that guy's got more than I have. What the hell? What makes him so special? That's what it's built on. Now, we're running out of time in this segment, are we not, Mr. Producer? We're good? All right, I want to play this for you. G. Van Fleet, a survivor of Mao's revolution. He was on Fox News yesterday. Very, very important. Cut 11, go. Yeah, I just want to say it's so ironic. 36 years ago, I ran away from socialism. Uh, when I left China, come to this great country for freedom. Today, so many Americans abandoning freedom and ran into socialism. They have no idea what socialism is about. I lived under Mao's socialism. When the government controls everything, make all the decisions, big and small, it decide how much grain, meat, uh, uh, cooking oil I could have, uh, what I should learn in school, where I should live, and what job I should have, and how I should think. In the uh, socialist society I lived under, there's no choices, there's no freedom. And that's what people do not know. Socialism becomes such a diluted word, and it's intentional. I can tell you, China is a socialist country, Cuba is a socialist country, and so is North Korea. They are socialist country uh, run by communist parties. And what's the difference? What's the difference between socialism and communism? Not much. Socialism is the initial stage of communism, according to Karl Marx. This is very important. 
starts out as an economic ideology. But it devours the culture. Now, please listen. And again, you don't have to buy American Marxism, but please listen. The change in the language. And if you don't accept the change in the language, you're punished in one form or another, either socially or worse. Even where you work. If you teach counter to the what I call the American Marxist counter-revolution, you're to be sanctioned, even fired, if you don't comply. And the government will, in fact, enlist big tech. It doesn't have to enlist big media because big media is already there. The New York Times has demonstrated its credentials when it comes to genocidal regimes, which it has embraced for over a century. For over a century. But the big promise and the lies, Joe Biden says there was zero inflation last month. He's a liar. Doesn't matter. His Department of Homeland Security Secretary says the border is secured. He's a liar. They say the biggest spending in world history is not inflationary. They're liars. They say they are going to produce clean energy and eliminate fossil fuels. They're liars. They'll create poverty. They say the police are systemically racist. They are liars. But the centralization of power, if you read your constitution, was the greatest fear the framers had. That and the mob. That and the mob. And you'll notice the Democrat Party uses both. Centralization and the mob. As do the Marxists. These things that Joe Biden is putting in place are destroying the middle class in this country. Who would have ever thought two years ago that women's sports would be destroyed by the sign of a pen by a nitwit in the Oval Office it's called Title IX it's part of our civil rights law but it's been turned on its head it's been turned on its head so biological males can now participate in sports with women and it's obvious who wins that so they've destroyed women's sports They've destroyed the whole notion of women. You can't even define a woman. And in their most aggressive state, you can't even use the word woman or lady or female. So you must ignore the science. You must pretend that the sexes are not binary. In other words, their beliefs must become the truth rather than the truth is the truth. Make sense, Mr. Producer? That's called ideology. That's called the iron fist. That's called tyranny. That leads to totalitarianism. The very party that attacks the independence of the court and unleashes its mob against certain Supreme Court justices, the very party that embraced Black Lives Matter a racist, anti-Semitic, violent entity that ripped off millions and millions of people. 
No documentary on that. It's said to be the party of the people. The very party that steals trillions of dollars from working men and women and gives it to the wealthy. The party of the people. That drives up the cost of gasoline. That drives up the cost of automobiles. That drives up the cost of homes and drives up inflation, which then drives up interest rates. It's the party of the people. By God, I hope more and more people understand what we're talking about here. G. Van Fleet, as hell does, he lived it. Let me put it to you this way, and I mean it. You want less food? Vote Democrat. You want brownouts and blackouts? Vote Democrat. You want more crime? Vote Democrat. You want more lawless federal lawmen? Vote Democrat. You want to destroy the Constitution? Vote Democrat. You want to indoctrinate your kids about sexuality? Vote Democrat. You want to indoctrinate your kids about being racist, critical race theory? Vote Democrat. You want your schools controlled by two radical left-wing Democrat unions? Vote Democrat. And I could go on and on. You want babies, literal babies, aborted? Unlike any other country in the face of the earth? Vote Democrat. It's a lot of reasons to vote Democrat if you're insane. A lot of reasons to vote Democrat if you hate America. If you love family, faith, liberty. If you love your country, you can't vote Democrat. Show me how that party does. It's always pushing pushing, pushing to destroy one institution after another. To lie about this great country, to lie about her people. Pushing, pushing, pushing. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Right now, every business is trying to nickel and dime you. How much can they squeeze you to offset their increasing costs? It's a mess. That's why I love Pure Talk, my wireless company, and I want it to be your wireless company. Pure Talk drew the line in the sand and said, stop screwing over the American public. So when you sign up with Pure Talk this month, you're going to get their best ever offer, one month free, one month free. You can lock in talk, text, and data on America's most reliable 5G network, for just 30 bucks a month. Plus get one month free when you make the switch today. Just go to puretalk.com and enter code Levin Podcast for this special offer. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. Need another reason? When you choose Pure Talk, you're choosing to support American jobs. You're choosing to support a company whose CEO is a U.S. veteran. And with Pure Talk's no-risk money-back guarantee, you won't regret it. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, and enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and get one month free. By the way, I 
I will be on Dan Bongino's radio show tomorrow in the 2 o'clock hour, I believe. Dan is a great broadcaster, you know that? I don't miss his show on Saturday. He does a great TV show. He does a great radio show. Don't get me going with the podcasts. I love podcasting. Testing it out a little here and there, right, Mr. Producer? I love it. It's really uh, fantastic, I think. But nonetheless, we have our great affiliates, too. Wonderful affiliates. Oh, my goodness. What's this? Oh, my goodness. The Daily Beast. Lachlan Cartwright is never wrong. Editor at large. NBC's Meet the Depressed Shakeup puts Chuck Todd in jeopardy. Maybe Brian Stelter will be moved over. The executive producer of Meet the Depressed, who NBC announced last week is shifting over to the streaming side, was pushed out amid the Sunday politics show's rating woes. Two people familiar with the matter told Confider. John Reese, who'd been executive producer for the last eight years, was officially punted over to the NBC News Now streaming service. Where? And David P. Gellis, longtime CNN producer, who helped develop the now defunct CNN Plus streamer, was parachuted in to help fix. Now, why would they take a guy who was with a failing streaming and put ah, whatever? Meet the Depressed is down 21% in total viewership and 24% in the key advertising demographic compared to last year, more than any of the other Sunday politics shows. Well, thank you. Gellis, first order of business, multiple sources said, is deciding what to do about Chuck Todd, who, despite signing recently a two-year extension, has learned, has baffled many at NBC with how long he's remained atop the struggling show. NBC White House correspondent Kristen Welker, who? Oh, the Welker, is being groomed to replace Todd, multiple insiders with knowledge of the matter said and is expected to take on more hosting duties as the midterm elections approach. Todd was already demoted once this year when his Meet the Depressed Daily broadcast. How do you demote this guy? And I'm not against it, I'm just saying. And you still have Joyless Reed and Tiffany Cross. And that, the big schnoz there, what's his name? Scarborough. Well, they're all lousy to be on. There's only one person who could fit Meet the Depressed. There's only one person who could fix it. Me. But I'm not leaving my Sunday show on Fox. Matter of fact, they won't extend it for several years, but I'm not getting into that. Thanks to you folks. Do you know, truthfully, our numbers on my Sunday show are typically as big as some of these network Sunday shows, Mr. Producer? And it's also typically, not all the time, but typically as big as these late night comedy shows. And I'm on at Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, if I haven't mentioned it. Yes, it's true. The lingering questions about Todd's future atop the Sunday show have garnered comparisons to the long, drawn-out, messy saga of former Meet the Depress host David Gregory. That guy looked like a hunting hound, didn't he? Who was ultimately pushed out in 2014 and replaced with Todd. Chuck, if you'd listened to me early on and played it straight, rather than being a Democrat Party hack, if you'd actually learned something from Tim Russert, Tim Russert, who'd been a Democrat his whole life, 
worked for several Democrats on the Senate side, but he was tough on everybody down the middle. But you didn't follow that path. Instead, you said, you know what? I want to be the next Brian Stelter. And look what happened to you. This is my opinion. This is what I think. Now, I don't know who this Welker is or Welcher. What's her name? Welcher? A Welker. She's a she's a regular, a regular lib. But uh, they really ought to pick somebody who's more statesmanlike. I'm serious. Uh, unfortunately, they don't have one. NBC, their farm team, MSM. Look at this MSNBC. That's not a farm team. That's a zoo. They don't have anybody to pick from. They're so rotten and lousy over there. But anyway. Meet the Press used to be such a great program. Lawrence Spivak for years and years. Tim Russert. Then they go with, uh, well, what do they go with? It doesn't matter. It sucks. I'll be right back. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question. Did you know withdrawing your cash from the bank can be very risky? That's right. Banks are now required to spy on us for the government. And they report any behavior they think is suspicious. It's true. And I was shocked when I read the secret war on cash from Swiss America. The new war against cash is really a war against the Constitution, against all freedom-loving Americans. So you need to read the war on cash. Get your free copy by calling 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. Now, this war on cash is growing daily and also includes all forms of digital money. Please get and read The Secret War on Cash free to my listeners by calling now, 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 
877-381-3811. This is quite interesting. It's actually just breaking. Just the news, citing the, uh, what is it, Washington Times, I guess. One second as I pull it up. FBI special agent who opened Trump investigation reportedly escorted out of the bureau. Former Washington field office assistant special agent in charge, Tim Thebolt, was reportedly escorted out of the bureau on Friday amid whistleblower allegations that he showed political bias in his handling of politically sensitive investigations. The Washington Times reported eyewitness accounts that Mr. Theobald was seen exiting the Bureau's elevator last Friday, escorted by two or three headquarters-looking types. The article appears to have been updated and now states that Theobald abruptly resigned, but that he was forced to leave his post and cites two unnamed former FBI officials. Hmm. Now, a caution, just the news was unable to independently confirm the Times report. Whistleblowers allege that Theobald concealed the partisan nature of evidence from FBI Director Christopher Wray and Attorney General Merrick Garland to secure their approval to open an investigation of former President Donald Trump. And that investigation culminated in the FBI's raid on Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate earlier this month. The public release of the affidavit, such as it was, that accompanied the search warrant revealed the warrant application relied heavily on information from news articles, including a CBS Miami piece titled Moving Trucks Spotted at Mar-a-Lago and a Breitbart News article in which former Trump advisor Cash Patel discussed the classified status of documents the Bureau previously removed from the estate on behalf of the National Ar- <coughs> Excuse me, Archives, Iowa, Republican Senator Chuck Grassley confirmed at Just the News prior to the raid that Theobald had been removed from his post and reassigned to an unspecified position, and the FBI has declined comment. Isn't that interesting? Yes, I think it's very interesting. I want to circle back to something, as I was thinking during the break. In several of my books, and certainly on all the years I've been behind this microphone, and by the way, I love radio. Don't you love radio? I love it. I talked about what was this climate change movement, global warming, and before that, global cooling. And I explained that this was a degrowth movement. That's what it is a degrowth movement. It's an anti-capitalism movement. It's very important to understand this. Because our government is now spending trillions of dollars to make the nation poorer, to make you poorer. If you need a reason to vote in November, that's a good one right there, to vote against these people and vote for somebody else. And they pushed it through, 51 to 50 in the Senate with the Vice President, casting her vote, and with three or four votes in the majority in the House. And they were celebrating this, not even because of all the money it spent, but because the fundamental change that will now occur in our economy and our society. 
start to use the phrase degrowth movement. Climate change, global cooling, global warming. This movement broke out in the 70s. It's in American Marxism. It's in Rediscovering Americanism. Maybe in one of the other books, too. This movement broke out in the mid-70s in Europe. And as I began the program and I explained that Germany is not going to have enough energy this winter, it's going to be rationing what it has in terms of fossil fuels, that Poland has warned its citizens it's going to be an extremely cold winter, and Macron in France says the age of abundance is over. I've been talking about this for years. I've been writing about this for years. You've been listening about it for years, and it's here. This is a Marxist movement that was given birth in Europe. It was a degrowth movement, and they came up with different titles for it, different names for it. And then they finally settled on climate change because everybody knows the climate is always changing. That's the nature of the beast. And so, it now has a home here in the United States. And it is funded by the federal government. You notice how Bernie Sanders and others always say things like, well, in Europe, they do this. Right, because Europe is economically socialist and culturally Marxist. Exactly what Mr. Xi who lived through Mao Zedong's era, explained. It is a horrid, horrid ideology. People suffer. It won't do us any good, but hundreds and hundreds of years from now, the way people have written about the Roman Empire today, more than hundreds of years, obviously, now, but how did it fall? What happened? They're going to be writing the same thing about the United States if this continues. This is why we simply cannot settle on a Larry Hogan or Chris Christie or one of these Republican flameouts who's more concerned about how they appear in the New York Times and elsewhere than really turning this country around. That's why so many of you love Trump. So many of you love DeSantis. or Tom Cotton, or a Cruz, or a Pompeo, and so forth and so on. These people get it. They understand what we're up against. McConnell has no idea. Washington has been very good to the McConnells. The Communist Chinese Party of China has been very good to McConnell's in-laws, and then in turn to him. You can see that throughout. We've had a little taste of this here and there, folks, with the baby formula shortage. You ever think you'd be living through a baby formula shortage or all of a sudden a supply change problem? Everything's blamed on the virus, you know, a supply chain problem. There are empty food shelves or the price of food going through the roof, even fast food. There's no escaping it. The price of diesel fuel has doubled. 
And it's going back up again, over five bucks a gallon. And if you also notice, Mr. Producer, the price of regular unleaded is starting to go back up. It's heading up again. That's what's happening. When you when you attack the creation of fertilizer, fertilizer. Listen to the word, fertile, fertilizer, which creates abundance of food in this country and around the world, but certainly in this country, which relies, I'm sorry to tell you, on fuel, oil. And we have 20% less of it today. And we were warned months ago, months ago, by farmers. That they can't plant as much as they normally do. They can't. That means there's going to be some shortages. And also, that food that they plant feeds their livestock for these ranchers. They don't have the food to feed the livestock. They don't have the livestock. I'm just pointing this out. We are subsidizing people not to work. We're subsidizing people not to pay their loans. We have an open border to bring in people come in, whomever they are. If they get here, they're in. Nations can't survive this. We're destroying our own history and the minds of our children. We're destroying the nuclear family. Everything goes. We're destroying the language. Science. Knowledge. We're destroying our own economy. And it's all being done, let's be honest, under the umbrella of the Democrat Party. We can attack Republicans for being weak. Don't get me wrong and for failing to take this on, which is infuriating. But let's be clear. The Democrat Party is the home to all these movements. Many of them are very weird, and yet they're powerful. Many of them represent very few people, and yet they're powerful. The Marxists, they have figured out control. Control that which makes the country work, and you control the country. You don't need to have a majority. You don't even need to have a big minority as long as you control the institutions. As long as you control the institutions. And that's exactly what's happening. You're soon going to be told like they were just told in France, the age of abundance is over. You have too many material things. You need to get used to less things. Any state that has the power to tell you you're not going to be driving gas-powered automobiles in the future has the power to tell you how many automobiles a family can have. How much driving a family can do. How much electricity you'll get for your EVs. And the courts will uphold it. They'll call it precedent. Precedent. I know of what I speak. 
I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. So to be clear, there is no environmental movement anymore. It's not about the polar bears. It's not about clean air, clean water. It's not even about carbon dioxide. This is the greatest ruse in human history. And you have industrial societies deindustrializing. Deindustrializing. This wasn't even a concern two, three years ago to you, was it? No. The other thing it does, when you do something like this, what else do you do? What's one of the things that makes America great? What's one of the things that freedom spurs? Thinking. Creativity. Thinking. Creativity. Knowledge built on knowledge. Science built on knowledge. Built on experience. When you have a top-down, iron-fisted government that says, you shall not do X and we will ban X, the very progress they claim cannot be achieved. Because the entire industrial complex then is not a whole bunch of individuals or individual companies or businesses making decisions. It's everybody aiming for exactly the same thing, in many cases exactly the same way. Because that's how you're regulated. It is a top-down economic system that cannot work. Never has, never will. I don't know how many more examples we need. We can look 100 years ago. We can look today. We can look here in various blue states. We can look in our own hemisphere. We can look in Europe. Where do you want to look? We have real live examples where societies are deteriorating. Deteriorating. From prosperity and progress to degrowth and deindustrialization. This is a serious matter. And we have to get smart about this and understand exactly what's taking place here. It's, oh, look at this. They voted on this. They voted on that. I do talk about that, and I'm happy to talk about it. What's behind it? What's behind it? An entire movement's behind it. It's been behind it for half a century. How many times, how many times have I pointed out that Barack Obama used to say, and others, something to the effect where 5% of the world's population will use 20, 25% of the world's resources? What does that mean? It doesn't mean we consume 20 or 25% of the world's resources. We're an advanced society. We were more advanced than any other society. Now and ever. 
That means we can take something and turn it into something, whereas another society could take something and not know what the hell to do with it. So when you have a society that's vigorous, that's productive, that's creative, where the people are largely happy and free, that's what happens. You have 5% of the population using 25% of the resources. And by the way, to good effect. But when you're of the Marxist mindset, it's look at this, the 5% are taking the 25%. And much of that would still be in the ground or whatever natural state it's in. But the reason why they take more and more land out of production, they don't allow drilling on federal land, which they've taken out of production. They obstruct people from actually drilling on leases that they get after years and years of years of of scientific investigation. Where you can't drill offshore, you can't drill in Alaska, you can't drill here, you can't drill there. And then when you're done, you got to take that oil and so forth and turn it into a product that can be used. And then what do you do? You prevent the building of refineries. And then what do you do? You prevent the building of cars and trucks that use gasoline. And this is where we are. We're becoming regressive, we are deindustrializing, and we are facing a degrowth movement that has control of the government. I'll be right back. Liberty's Voice, Mark Levin. Talk with that voice now, 877-381-3811. Let's take some calls, shall we? I think we will. Let's go to, uh, let's see, Atlanta, Spencer, the great WMLB. Go right ahead, Spencer. Hey, Mark, how are you? Thanks for taking my call. Um, Thank you. I was getting in the car, and I was I got ta- caught the tail end of the uh, top of the hour stuff you were talking about. And uh, I just, you know, first off, I just want to say, I appreciate the hell out of you. I think right now, I mean, we need voices like yours. Um, talking out about this and coherently explaining to everybody what is really going on um, with these people who are trying to essentially not just take over this country, but take over the world, it feels like mm-hmm. to me. Um, and the, the thing that's so scary about it, and it, I go back to when COVID started, and that's when I really woke up to all this, because it seemed like what was going on was they acted like like I can name off a, a list of names. I think you already listed some of these names in Europe. I can name governors um, in this country, mm-hmm. um, specifically Gretchen Whitmore, uh, Gavin Newsom, all these people that come out and they pretend like they care about you and they don't, they hate you. They actually mm-hmm. hate us. I feel like maybe I'm wrong, hungry. but yeah, you know, and it's just, it's, and, and, and the, this whole guise of humanitarianism and, Oh, you know, we want to save the planet. It's like you said a minute mm-hmm. ago. It's like it's not about that. It's not about any nope. of that. And, All um, right, my friend. You take care. I appreciate you uh, listening on the great WMLB, Atlanta, Georgia. Scott, Dallas, Texas, the great WBAP. Scott, go right ahead. Thank you. Hey, Mark. 
Always appreciate you. You're a great guy. I love you. My wife Thank actually you. started watching you a while back, and she thinks you're great, too. So, um, Good lady. I don't know if you ever saw the movies. I don't know if you ever saw the movie uh, Zootopia by Disney. There's a part in there where the assistant mayor takes over, and there's a part at the end where Mayor Weather goes, they say, well, how can you control everybody? And she goes, if I make them afraid, I can control them and make them do anything I want. And it was in a kid's movie, and I'm thinking to myself, are you kidding me? They just put that out there in a kid's movie? And I was shocked because I was thinking, why would they ever tell their their way of controlling people to kids? But again, they're thinking, oh, hey, maybe, and the thing is, is when you really think about it, as kids, it's being basically watered down because it's like, oh, this is a little lamb. She's just saying, hey, I can control mm-hmm. him because she's afraid. And I'm thinking to myself, no, oh, right. my gosh, this is just the way they're even look it. at Disney now. Disney's a disgrace. Walt Disney wouldn't even recognize his own creation, his own company. Nothing is safe anymore from these various movements. Certainly not our kids. They have finally, finally figured it's time to conquer the children. They're in the classroom. They're in the cartoons. They're in the movies. They're everywhere. And there's no, uh, there's no question about it. I want to thank you, my friend. Good to hear from you. That's Scott. Let's go to Patrick, Frederick, Maryland, the great WMAL. Go. Hi, Mark. Great to hear your voice tonight. I heard you talk a little earlier about, I heard you talk a little earlier about New York City. Where are all these people going to charge their cars? And it just got me to thinking that the automobile is a vehicle for individual liberty. So the fact that this push towards electric cars and dependency, maybe it's one step closer to public transportation, just getting closer to taking away our individual liberty. In the end game, I don't think they they want everybody to have an electric vehicle and to be able to go wherever they want. And just it's just another example of you triggering my mind to think tonight. And uh, and I want to thank you for that. All right, Patrick. Thank you, buddy. You know, there are individuals here and there who are trying to get me off the air. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? Here and there. But we shall overcome. There's millions and millions of us. We shall overcome. Jimmy, our buddy Jimmy, Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. Go, Jimmy. Mark, you're going to like this. Years ago, there was a CIA defector named Philip Agee. He revealed the names of people he said were CIA agents. Two of them got murdered, okay? Philip Agee had a publication, Covert Action Information Bulletin. Philip Agee was helped by Marcus Raskin and the KGB Front Group Institute for Policy Studies. So the U.S. government made it illegal to reveal CIA agents' names. Before you go on, tell everybody who Marcus Raskin's son is. Marcus Raskin's son is Congressman Raskin, one of the guys leading the attack on MAGA. Okay, Mm -hmm. so this is a KGB front group. This is the communist movement. But here's something even more interesting. Institute for Policy Studies, founded in part by his KGB front group. So the government made a law 
to make it illegal to reveal the names of CIA agents, Senator Schumer voted against that law. So here's Schumer basically supporting, I would say, from that vote, he had no problem with enemy agents killing our CIA agents. And this was uh, the, the Institute for Policy Studies had a whole program to neuter and defang the FBI and the CIA. And now the FBI and CIA were working with those people. That's the impact. The Institute for Policy Studies makes economic policy, foreign policy. They work with ABC, CBS, uh, New York Times, Washington Post. By the way, I saw Chuck Todd's birth, uh, birth certificate. You're saying his name wrong. It's Chuck Turd. His real <laughs> name is Chuck Turd. Well, just don't that- change the first name. All right, my friend, we appreciate it. Oh, the mind, the imagination. Let us go to Jerry Edison, New Jersey. How are you, Jerry? Okay, how are you doing, Mark? All so, right, Mark, I'm looking at the EPA website. I'm looking at epa.gov, and I'm looking at an article, History of Reducing Air Pollution from Transportation, May 16th, 2022. It says, cleaner cars, trucks, and fuels. Compared to 1970 vehicle models, new cars, SUVs, and pickup trucks are roughly 99% cleaner for common Mm. pollutants, hydrocarbons, carbon monoxide, nitrogen oxides, and particle emissions. New heavy-duty trucks and buses are roughly 99% cleaner than 1970 models. Mm. So... If it's 99% cleaner from catalytic converters and other things like they've done on big rig mm-hmm. trucks, which are DEF tanks, 15-gallon tanks to take care of pollution, it heats up the uh, basically the catalytic converter. and it, it emits hardly nothing pollution compared to what it did back in 2010. So in the last 12 years, they've managed to take 90% out of the tractor trailer. Which is, fanta- which is a fantastic American capitalist accomplishment, is it not? Right. Absolutely. And but they act like it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. How much could we keep improving on that technology? Look at how little that would cost comparably and how effective it is. Look, all these guys do is they pass laws and make demands. And they put out these promises, these images, these uh, these fairy tales about what's going to be accomplished. They haven't accomplished a damn thing. They don't build anything. They don't create anything. They don't invent anything. They don't produce anything. And yet they go on TV and they go on radio and they tell us what they're going to do. They're not going to do any damn thing they say they're going to do. All right, Jerry, thank you, my friend. Edison, New Jersey. You know who used to live there, Mr. Producer? Thomas Edison. That's right. Trenton, New Jersey. You know who used to live there? I have no idea. All right. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. MSNBC likes to have this racist anti-American slob on by the name of Ellie Mistel, who writes for The Nation. The Nation has always been hard, hard radical red, always. And I want you to hear what he had to say on Saturday. And until MSNBC and NBC and Comcast get their act together, this is going to continue to be a lousy, lousy platform. Go ahead. My top level expert legal analysis of the affidavit is why ain't this dude in jail? Like, what does this man 
have to do to go to jail. I think Break the, the law, you pig. That's what he has to do. And he hasn't. You jerk. And they bring you on that network constantly. Because you're a moron. A moron. You don't even realize it. You're a foil. That's why they bring you on, you schmuck. Go ahead. Kind of like messed uh, or missed in the media narrative falling for the last 24 hours is that these 15 boxes that we're focused on, that's what they already found on the man. The man, all uh, President Sticky Fingers, already stole classified documents. Hey, dummy. He stole classified information that the government knew was at Mar-a-Lago for 19, 20 months, that the archives knew was there, that the FBI knew was there. He stole it. The lawyers are negotiating on which documents are what, as I understand it, just from the news reports. You're such an ignoramus. You're a moron. And you get on there. And by the way, you don't look like you've missed too many meals there, big guy. You may want to lay off the cheeseburgers, you jerk. Sick of that guy. Sick of that whole network, to be honest with you. How much time do I have, Richie? All right. Well, now's a good time. You know, uh, I'm a dog person. Many of you are dog people. I often think of all the dogs we've had since I was a little kid. We had Prince. We had the first lady, the Chihuahua, the second one, then the third one. And in the end, my parents had, had a dog named Gigi. She was mostly Chihuahua. And she passed right before they did, as a matter of fact. And uh, in addition to Prince and the ladies, we had uh, a Pepsi was the first dog our family had. I bought him right out of the window at a pet shop. I guess you can't do that anymore. He was the run of the litter. There were six. <clears throat> and there was a litter of puppies that had been born in the neighborhood and brought to the pet shop. He was the smallest. Turned out he'd be the biggest. He was the only male. And boy, was he smart. He was half Border Collie, half Cocker Spaniel, and just fantastic. He didn't make it to 12. And we brought a dog in named Sprite, who needed a family, was an older dog, and he survived about two years. Brought in another older dog by the name of Griffey. That poor thing had been so abused. He had to have 19 teeth removed. He must have been in such grave pain when we adopted him. He lived about four years. He would pass away. About four or five months later, Pepsi would pass away. <clears throat> And then I brought uh, Barney into the house. I only had Barney eight and a half years. and only lived to ten and a half years old. Think back on these dogs all the time. And Barney's death was especially quick. 
and uh, really unbelievable. So I know how people feel when they lose their dogs, of natural causes or by accidents. And it is a horrible feeling. They're part of your family. And when you have a young dog, puppy, really, maybe six months old, five months old, they're so lively, they're so full of joy, they're so happy just to be, to be with you. They're so full of love, that's all they give you. And um, there was a dog, a Border Collie puppy, beautiful dog, beautiful dog. And the owners of this dog, the parents of this dog, the father, as I call him, was skeptical about getting a dog. The mother wanted a dog for a long time. So because he loved her, he relented. He's a former police officer. And they got a border collie. Beautiful border collie. And they had photos of this border collie. And they took this border collie to training. And they were so proud of this border collie. And she slept on the bed. And then this weekend, Sam, that was her name, her short, ran out the door, pulled off her leash, as puppies do, and ran into the street. And was hit by a car. Danny and Suzanne, their family, they're devastated, and I just want them to know how much we, we feel for them, we dog people and understand what they're going through. And I will see you tomorrow. God bless each and every one of you, and be strong.